It's season six of the Oroch Digital How to Make a Video Game Podcast. In this episode, we're talking swordplay and games. I, there's a lot of attacks uh, in the tradition that I teach, which are to the hands. And <laughs> you see like some of the characters in these games taking really massive wounds and just you know not even shrugging it off. If you've ever hit yourself in the thumb with a hammer, you know how delicate hands can be. Armpit, not good. I mean, that's straight... That's a highway to a punctured lung, or to the to the heart, probably. That's a quick way out. Jim. Matt. Hey. Hey, how's things? Good. It's been a little while since I asked you the question, the simple question of, what are you, what are you doing? What have you been playing? The reason I ask you that is because we're talking about a generational shift of platform now. Yeah. Big, big scenes with PlayStation 5. I was very lucky to get one. Uh, I, my other half just happened to wake up at 5 a.m. on the day of pre-orders. So got one for us. So I've been loving my new PlayStation. It's a beautiful piece of hardware. Astro's Playroom is incredible. Shows off the the DualSense controller. And you can actually like feel the sand or like feel like the types of uh, ground that you're running across, like metal or like swimming around in water. It's incredible. So I've been playing a lot of that. And also a lot of bug snacks, which is bizarre and fun, and I highly recommend it to anybody. But go into it not knowing anything about it. That's that, yeah. That's what my last week's been like. So you, you've mentioned those two above Valhalla. Now I know you've been you've been slamming some hours into that beast, um, but those two got the first mention. Well, I was going to talk about that in the next intro. I <laughs> <That> was like, <laughs> let's not use all my games up. <laughs> you were putting that into its own separate block. I like that. Yeah, it deserves its own chunk. <laughs> <laughs> The, the one thing that always um, uh, I'm always really interested to, to know what's new of is with the interface with the PlayStation. Of course, with the PlayStation 1, you have that. There wasn't a, um, a, a soundtrack or an ambience to, to the, the interface per se, because, of course, you just whack a disc in and it would just load. Mm-hmm. But you had that amazingly beautiful synthy um, ident when you'd boot up the PlayStation 1. Um, and ever since then, they've, they've kind of uh, built on that. And I loved in PlayStation 3, I think they had the tuning up of an orchestra, which that was really a really, really nice touch. Uh, a nice ambience too with the PlayStation 4. I, I don't want any spoilers, but just tell me what the ambience is like when you're kind of navigating around the, the UI on the PS5. This is like, I like this peak audio guy. That's what you, the things that you're excited about for each of the platforms <laughs> is the ambient noise. To be honest, I turned it off on this console because I would always leave it on and I'd forget and I'd be in the kitchen trying to cook dinner and you'd just get PlayStation 4 in the background like, and I'd be like, it's annoying. And you just deal with it. So we turned it off. I was like, no ambient noise for this generation. And it's been a great decision. So I can sit on the menus well, without annoying myself. <laughs> you, you've just rendered me and many, many other many other audio people useless now by just killing our discipline by just <laughs> muting it. No, I'm here to appreciate the in-game noises and music. That's all awesome. I'm just not here for the ambient menu music. When I'm on the menu, it needs to be quiet because I'm probably doing something <laughs> as a rule. It's fine. <laughs> it's, I, I don't hold it against you. It's absolutely fine. Um <laughs> But today, so we've we've just finished what is essentially a bit of a mini-series on Mars Horizon, because of course Mars Horizon is out now, it's there, it's available, people are playing it, people are digging it. Heading to um, the red planet. Yeah, and just on that, what a 10-week, 10-week, uh, it feels like 10 weeks maybe, <laughs> but what a 10-day spell it's been then. Oh, it's been intense. It's been really good. The game's been really well received and it's been incredible to see so many people play it and thousands of people watching it on the different streams. So yeah, grab it now if you've not... Everyone's loving it. Got great reviews. Um, and if you get the chance, please review the game on whatever platform you play it. It helps us a lot as a small studio. Plugging that in wherever I go. 
<laughs> that's the way to go. Uh, the one thing that really stuck out for me um, with the launch specifically, and I, I mentioned this to Thomas in the previous episode, was that we we everyone was there for the launch. It's like, we're ready. Let's go. Let's hit this thing. Let's respond to posts and all the rest of it. We're, we're, we're knee deep. Let's go. But the best thing I loved about it, after we knew that we, we'd, we'd, we'd enjoyed a good launch, it wasn't just, oh, let's sit on it the next day. Oh, that, yesterday was good. Let's just sit on it. The best thing about it for me was that everyone just carried that attitude into the next day. Yeah. It was like, let's keep going. Let's just keep pushing and keep being, you know, super pumped about this thing. Yeah. And um, it got like more momentum, more hype as we saw people playing and enjoying our game. It's just an incredible mm. experience. Uh, really good on the streams too. Yeah. Loved watching those and like watching people share them with their community and everyone in the chat getting excited about it. It's been so nice. Everyone's really mm. loved the game and that's been, yeah, because I know how hard the team works on it. So that's why I wanted to do my best job to show the game in its best light and get it in front of as many people as possible. And yeah, it's been great. And the team reading comments or seeing people playing it and seeing people like, I love this or like the experience here was really good. It really like makes everyone's jobs worthwhile. Totally, 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 totally. Um, so with that said, um, we won't be talking specifically about Mars Horizon today. That little mini series has, has come and gone and is now planted in the ether. Um, but we're, we're, we're going kind of completely onto the far side of the moon now because we're talking sword play, which is a com- complete contrast to anything we've covered in the last three episodes, Gem. Yeah, so we've got um, an expert in sword play coming in to teach us and tell us, you know, how do games do it? Do they do it well? Do they do it badly? What's important about sword play? It's going to be really good. So, Jem, I'd imagine you're probably quite excited today. I am. I am indeed. Tell us why. So, today's podcast episode, we're joined by a real sword fighting expert, Bran, and uh, she's going to tell us all about sword fighting uh, in games in real life and what the differences are. Well, like, we've done pretty well in past episodes and seasons to kind of introduce some alternative topics and things to talk about and whatnot. But this is a first. We have yeah. never had a sword fighter on the podcast before. So like you, I'm psyched for this. This is pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. So without further ado, Fran, hello. Hi. Hi. Hi, both. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. You're very, very welcome. Very welcome. So let's let's um, let's knock the ball out of the park or let's uh, let's I don't know. Can you can take you the sword out of the sheath? Take the sword <laughs> out of the sheath. <laughs> There's uh, a bit of sound design for us. Um, Fran, what do you do and how did you get into sword fighting? So um, I teach what's called historical fencing, uh, or sometimes it's called historical European martial arts, or HEMA for short. Um, and I got, I, I, like most people who practice it, I fell into it by accident because it's a very little known uh, activity, but has been growing over the past 20 years. So I started. Uh, in 2010 just completely found it by accident I had my second child and um and he did a hobby um and uh this ticked a lot of boxes so you know gets me out of the house uh gets me moving uh and sort of engages the brain and uh it's it's just so much fun as you can probably imagine um, at, at what point did you like well firstly Taking it up as an adult, I, I wasn't expecting that at all. I, I expected it to be almost this thing you've been doing since you were a young child or even maybe <laughs> inherited that interest from, from parents and whatnot. So mm-hmm. the fact that you've taken it up as, as an adult is wicked. Mm-hmm. But how long into those initial steps, maybe six months, a year, 
did you start to think I'm rapidly getting pretty decent at this? Like, at what point was the was the tipping point? Do you think? Um, that is one of the that is a difficult one for a lot of people who do this to answer because uh, we are basically trying to re we're basically trying to um, revive martial arts from like a few centuries ago, but obviously those martial arts don't exist anymore but they were written down so we've taken uh what people wrote down in the past and how they used to teach people to sword fight uh in like the, the medieval the renaissance eras and we're trying to recreate that so there's always going to be a kind of a little bit of a doubt in your mind like am i doing this right am i doing it how they did it which is the kind of aim of what we're doing we're trying to be as true to life as we can and as realistic as we can without have ever actually having been taught by someone who's sort of followed that tradition. Um, it's not like with karate or judo or, or any sort of Eastern martial arts where it's a, it's a living tradition that's passed down from master to student. Uh, so there is always going to be a little bit of a doubt, but there are times, um, I think my own personal moment when I realised that I was getting good at this was when my instructor said, uh, there's a space come up in a tournament and I think I was about one year into this uh, and they said and we think you should take part, take part and I said me I didn't do too badly I didn't win but it was my first one but it, it just the feeling of having participated in a tournament rather than just a sort of you know a classroom situation or a sparring situation was exhilarating and uh, it's probably about the closest thing you can get to real life sword fighting for your life kind of thing so that 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 was a that was a big one for me, I think. So, what what weapons do you use in your type of fighting? Is it all swords? Is it certain types? It's it's various things. It's mostly sort. I mean, I I am now uh, sort of the lead instructor at the school that I started at back in 2010. I inherited it from my instructors, um, and it's called the School of the Sword. Uh, so it's focused <laughs> mostly on. The, yeah, it's taken from the Italian. So there was a book. Uh, of the same name in Italian from uh, an instructor uh, called uh, Ferdinando Alfieri. And he, it's his work that we are, um, are, are basing our, our, uh, our study on. So the eras that we're looking at are Renaissance Italy mostly, although we have recently started to take in medieval Italy as well. So being the Renaissance, the focus is the rapier, the side sword, which is like a slightly earlier sword, which is, looks a bit like a rapier, but is more of a cutting weapon. And there's all the companion weapons that go with those as well. So you have a, a rapier in one hand and a dagger in the other, or a side sword in one hand and a, and a buckler in the other which is like a little handheld shield um you don't see them much in 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 like films and media and gaming and stuff pretty ubiquitous uh, in in t in historical terms they were around for a very long time so yeah we did like dagger fighting um the end of last year we did a little course on poleaxe um we do yeah various things as long as they're from that era uh we do some saber as well it's so like military saber but it is mostly sword fighting yeah Awesome. And you mentioned um, seeing certain weapons in like media and stuff. And um, you also write fantasy works yourself, don't you? I, I have written, yeah. How do you um, adapt your sword skills into, into those uh, fantasy settings? Well, the reason I took this up in the first place was because I was, write, I was about to write a fight scene and I thought, I, I, I don't know what to do here. Maybe I should get some advice from an expert. And, and here I am. <laughs> so, so, you know, it, it, I fell down a bit of a rabbit hole and I managed to climb out. Um, so I think 
what's important when you're right as a writer or a filmmaker or a game manufacturer like when you want to recreate fighting um you, what you have to try and do in my opinion is is make it as believable as possible so that does you know that when we say realistic uh someone who participates in my hobby HEMA they can go I think they can go a bit too far the other way and try and be like ultra realistic and get in their sort of if they're especially if it's a, a narrative in a book they can start describing things that everyday people don't understand and it gets a bit too technical so you have to pull it back a bit and not not be so tempted to make things ridiculously you know you just just don't make the characters do things that people wouldn't do like they wouldn't put themselves at risk um they wouldn't do crazy things that are just you know going to allow themselves to be attacked or just things that just wouldn't work um so it's it's about the realism i think um some of the best sword fighting scenes i've i've read have focused on things like the characters um emotions and their senses during like what is a very adrenalized very terrifying encounter like you know you're fighting for your life you're not you know one of the best sword fighting scenes in film is probably from the princess bride but that's not realistic <laughs> it's brilliant for telling a story mm. and it's brilliant for kind of encapsulating loads of different um themes of fighting and stuff and and it's it's fun to watch but you know in terms of realism it's not really on the same page but yeah i think in terms of like as a writer i think what's important is to make the characters do believable stuff there's a real balance a crucial balance to to maintain then isn't it certainly mm. in films and and well definitely in, in games as well like mm. if you if you were to choreograph something too high end where it's like super realistic completely authentic and mm. all, the, all the all the swords um all the sword fighters out there who do this professionally and whatnot they're going to mm. get it. But as you yeah. say, that might not translate to film or game, especially in games not, when, you're, yeah. when you're playing it. It needs to be cinematic and it needs to be kind of amplified. But um, when you're watching that as a, as a specialist yourself, you must be thinking, well, it's very easy to pick it apart because it's not it quite it's either, either side of the fence almost, you know, so it has to mm. kind of sit nicely in the middle somewhere. Yeah, I think a lot of people who do my um, activity just cannot like we we can we have to look away uh when we're watching game of thrones we just can't look at the screen um because because the sword fighting is so awful it's like you know there are dragons for goodness sake but yeah it is it it, it you have to make an impact on your viewer or your reader or your player uh, so you you have to have exciting things in there, and and I, I remember when I had a bunch of people who, who came to learn sword fighting from me one time, and they were they were all oh yeah I've done this before I've done stage fighting I was like okay cool so you know you know what you're doing and they're like yeah and they watched a bit of people fencing and they were like you know what this is really boring I was like is it they said yeah I would expect him to spin at this point or do this at this point I was like yeah but you know we're not. We're do we've got a different aim here. We're, we're actually trying yeah. to kill each other. We're not trying to tell a story. <laughs> yeah, when I've done some like uh, martial arts in the in the past, and sometimes you can see in certain films where it's the theatrics, and they'll put flips in here and there. But yeah. when I was learning, it was like, well, if you flip, where well, you've got your back to them, or you might fall, like it's unnecessary. Like if yeah. you're trying to defend yourself. It looks great. And 
yeah it looks really it's cool. just dangerous yeah, yeah. You're putting yourself well, in danger that is exactly why you're currently with us fran because mm-hmm. of course we're a game development studio and we've yeah. never made um a sword fighting focused game um up to this mm. point i don't believe um no. but we are going to be looking at some games today critiquing them in various yeah. ways gem yeah so we've got going from what we just chatted about going to look at um a few games that try and uh emulate sword fighting and we're going to look at the look of the weapons the speed of like how you use them the sort of weights that you're seeing uh the player you can sort of get a feel for that the strategies they have to use how they carry the weapons and sort of the interaction with the opponent so like the distance or like i was saying like do you spin away from them or are you jumping all over the place so that's really important as well and then uh get fran to give us an overall rating out of 10 sort of see which is the best uh showing realistic sword fighting in games and why i'm looking forward to this because i find myself quite often on youtube and whatnot looking at videos where you have like a specialist analyzing particular scenes i think one of the most recent ones was um I think uh, my wife and I had recently finished watching ER, and I found myself watching uh, an ER doctor slash surgeon analyzing all the all the scenes yeah. in ER. And it's fascinating though, because you get this mm. real person who's actually doing it on a daily basis, just breaking yeah. all this stuff down to say, "Yeah, that wouldn't happen. That wouldn't happen. That wouldn't happen. <laughs> right. That maybe happen." I've, I've met people who are locksmiths, uh, lift engineers. Uh, you know, anyone who does something professionally will find something in a film that and say, that's not what would happen. Yeah. That's not yeah. how a lift works. You've got three fail-safe. A lift is never going to fall down a lift shaft. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Why do I feel like there's going to be a subtitle to this episode? It's going to be, colon, <laughs> that wouldn't happen. <laughs> right, so, Gem, game number one. Mountain Blade 2, Bannerlord. I'm a massive fan of the Mountain Blade games. They're a medieval combat fighting simulator. Uh, they, they, the tagline of the original was the number one medieval fighting combat simulator. So I expected good things from this. You can uh, you can choose how you want to live in the medieval times. You can go around, you can be like a lord, you can go around being a bandit. Um, but there's a big focus on the fighting in this. Huge range of weapons and armor that you can use. And uh, yeah, it aims to be a realistic show of this. It aims to be a realistic show. Well, yeah. I want to know if Fran's going to break this one down and, and try <laughs> get things rolling. What do you think of this one, Fran? Um, I liked it. I thought it. I thought visually it was really good. I mean, in terms of the fact that you can really customise your character and, and their background and everything. Uh, but looking at the um, yeah, the gameplay itself is it, very stunning, um, and I, I like the feel of it. And it looks very satisfying to play. Um, mm. It's they are good just, at getting like uh so my favorite's like one of these luge i think it's called it's like a big stick with a massive axe on the top and you can ride <laughs> on horseback and sort of swipe it and if you time it just right you like really hack into people and it really feels very weighty like a big thud when you hit them they're good to play like that which i really enjoyed yeah what watching i mean i haven't done any mounted combat myself but watching the game you, you get a real sense for how anyone who isn't on a horse is is really screwed when someone has got a horse and what a huge advantage that is not that i'm a specialist in uh, sword play by any stretch obviously but on the on the odd occasion when i've been watching a film like take a scene from lord of the rings for example when you've got all the uh, all the humans fighting the orcs and there's this huge army of horseback i'm thinking if i'm one-on-one with an orc who's on a horse i'm thinking i might be able to take that like i, I fancy my chances i don't know why i but then i'm also the same sort of person that believes he could probably 
jump on the on on the wing of a plane. And it's, <laughs> and, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's true. I'm affected way too much by that kind of heroic sort of thinking. But what just how on that note though, clearly on horseback that is a huge advantageous thing but why why is that so advantageous because of the strength of the horse you know you talk about horsepower uh you know it is literal horsepower uh when you uh, like when we when you look at characters uh or you, even just people in real life moving weapons around it takes a, a lot of strength uh, and technique to move an object through space but if you've got like basically the engine of a horse um to move that enormous and plus you've got like you've got long rain like long pole weapons like uh, uh a lance or or a or an axe or something like this it just increases the power of that weapon massively um ah. it's just like you know if you were going along in a car and you and you hit someone with a sword while you were driving that down the road in the car it's it's going to be it's going to cause a lot more devastation than if you just uh, ran up to something and hit it with your own bodily strength it's just you you're basically taking on the strength of the horse and applying it to the weapon and would the tactic there in in that particular scenario would it be to just ride straight for the opponent or are you actually are they slightly to the side of you and your, your intention is to cause impact with the weapon or do you just because if you've got the horse uh riding straight towards you that's like they've got that to contend with first and then there's a weapon coming behind it or, yeah. or are you just going for the hit yourself? I mean, I'm not an expert on on mounted combat, but I mean, I've I've interviewed a few people recently who who do, um, and something to bear in mind is the fact that when you're in battle on horseback, the horse is a massive target too. So it, the the per, the the rider might not necessarily be the thing that the people on the ground want to attack. Uh, it's, it's probably better to just take the mount out. The person on the horse is much more vulnerable. Um, so you know, e either the person riding or or the beast itself is is the target. Um, but I think just watching the gameplay uh, of Mountain Blades, uh, it seemed to be a drive by seemed to be the best way to to do it. So towards a bunch of people. Um, and then away from them as quickly as you can uh, after sort of wreaking as much devastation. Obviously, um, over over being outnumbered is a real thing, even if it's just people on foot. Um, there's a kind of argument that goes around HEMA circles, like who would win, you know, a knight on horseback with a lance <laughs> or or 20 peasants with sticks, you know. Uh, it's, it, it's, you know, like the, the chicken-sized horse or the horse-sized chicken kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> It's uh, it's one of those sort of theoretical things that we 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 wouldn't know unless we were actually there. But uh, or people who do a lot of mounted combat would probably be able to tell you that better. But they're just things to consider, like when you are designing games and things like, you know, riding into a bunch of people on horseback. The horse is as much of a target as the person, um, and. But also the horse can wreak devastating damage just because it's big and it's a lot heavier than all those those much smaller bodies. Yeah, so that is definitely the way that you play it in the game because if you just keep charging in with your horse at the people and then it will die and then you can get overwhelmed by the numbers so they encourage yeah. you to swing by 
And yeah, like I said, the weight of these weapons is very good because it really gives you that satisfying thud. And it's quite slow to move the weapons, the long ones yeah. especially, which I think is quite important because some games you play and you can swing them around at like a million miles an hour. But they're very heavy, heavy things, aren't they? Yes. Um, pole weapons, yeah, they can be. Um, I think what surprises a lot of people like about swords in particular is how light they are because people... Uh, are accustomed to believing that swords ought to be really heavy and actually when you say to someone here's a sword and they pick it out for the first time they will say wow that's really heavy isn't it heavy and it's when you start moving around with these things it's the sort of you know the, the physics aspect of it makes makes a difference um the horse helps a lot because it allows you to move um, heavy weapons at speed, which is hard when you're just a human being. Swords tend to, to be um, smaller and lighter compared to those things, um, with the exception of the massive like um, two-handed swords that you see in some of the later games that we're going to look at. They seem relative they are they seem light you know it's all relative to the person's strength i think yeah so overall then out of 10 what would you rate mountain blade 2 i really liked it um i i gave it 8 out of 10 oh that's a good score and i really like that game too so i feel good (laughs) so game number two gem for honor yeah so a medieval action melee game i've not played for honor it's on my list uh looks really good um so this is you do battles again, like in Mountain Blade, but um, it's a, it's a lot more focused on the fighting and these sort of like arenas. And there's a lot of like uh, PvP in it. Um, it looks really fun because yes, yeah, it's, it's very different fighting AI and fighting another person because you've got a whole other load of strategies to take on. So yeah, I remember there being quite a buzz about this game when it was first announced um, because there's it isn't just a case. I haven't played it either myself, unfortunately, but it isn't isn't just a case of just pummeling one of the shoulder buttons to keep swinging your, your, your sword and whatnot yeah so with the uh look of the weapons then so how do you think they look and the speed of like how people are using them so they look pretty hefty um but then everything in this game is quite outsized so like the armor people are wearing is very heavy looking the people mm-hmm. of themselves are very buff so it you know if they they kind of look right for the game that they, they, they're chunky but you know every everything is quite chunky everyone's quite big and strong as for how it moves um so you consider how big and heavy the weapons are they're moving pretty quickly through space but um if someone's very strong they will move things quickly because they've got the speed to move them but there's one part like you're talking about the strategy that's required in this game there's one part where um someone said um when they was playing i hate it when we as in me and the ai attack at the same time because but in reality like when you're actually fencing you're not taking turns when you're fighting it's not like i hit you you hit me i parry you it doesn't work like that you're just trying to hit each other so you know the 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 the, uh chances of both hitting each other at the same time go right up you know the chances of both stabbing each other through the head or whatever and dying simultaneously are pretty high um so that's a kind of sort of realistic aspect, I think. Um, you know, the chances of attacking simultaneously go up um, if you haven't got that sort of turn-based thing going on. Um, but in the other thing is, like, in reality, if, if someone attacks you, 
and you parry the moment like you parry someone that is another opportunity for you to do something even more creative uh it's not like oh i've blocked your sword now i can hit you it's like i've blocked your sword i can control your sword i can thrust you through the neck it gives you more opportunities to do other more creative things it's what we call like a second intention um so it's like i'm deliberately doing this action to get you to do something so i can then exploit it kind of thing and at the start of a bout so say yeah. you're you're it's a showdown there's, there's you and another another person and it's a standoff <laughs> what is it you're looking for before anyone takes the first swing are you looking at foot movement are you looking at um how exhausted they might be you're looking for an opening before you've actually fencing is like is like physical chess uh so you're trying to think several moves ahead of what the other person's going to do uh the thing i find about a lot of these games is it's it's only what happens in the moment kind of thing it's taking into consideration how tired they are um you know how how nervous they are how nervous you are how nervous you can make them think you are you know sometimes it pays off to be sort of uh withdrawn and uh look like you don't really know what you're doing and just to get someone to attack you sometimes it's better to be more aggressive and come at them just to sort of uh, shake them up a bit when you start out before you've even sort of done any attacks you are taking in all of this stuff i mean it's like if you watch boxers uh they'll go into the ring and it's and it's and they're just trying to sort of psych each other out, or see what the other person's going to do, and who's going to hit first, kind of thing. It's it's very much like that. That's something that this uh, this game captures well when you're versing real people, I find, and also the AI to a point, but so much more with real people. You can see mm. people walking in a circle. They go forward, they come back. They're trying to like psych them out, or be like, "I'm mm. going to attack," try and bait them to attacking. So it sounds like they capture that well because yeah, That's the so PvP good. for 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 Honor is definitely like a big highlight of this game, and it's why a lot of people play it. So with the strategy as well, were there any other bits that you saw, not just from the AI? I think it also linked you to a PvP one, player versus player. So yeah, I think when the guy was doing the AI stuff, he he, he was doing when he was just doing like the sort of uh, demo mode, the tutorial <laughs> thing. He he was thrusting a lot, and that the cuts that did get through uh, to the opponent were quite realistic i thought because they were the ones that did get through were ones to like say for example the neck the thing about armor is i, I think i find like things like skyrim and stuff they go very much on uh, a, a point system so like you, you lower someone's hit points by hitting them and then eventually they they run out but in reality if you hit someone and they're wearing armor armor doesn't just reduce the number of hit points it takes it stops everything so armor it either works or it doesn't. In reality, like if you were fencing, if you were fighting someone who was wearing armor, you wouldn't cut them. It would be a bad idea because, <laughs> I mean, you see people doing it in things like Boha, uh, which is another uh, sword-based uh, martial art. But in their example, they are hitting each other. Not they're not trying to break through each other's armor. They're trying to wear each other down. Uh, they're trying to. It's basically MMA but with armor on. So they're trying to. Your your objective is to dump the other person on their backside and then you win because because armor's really good. So what you would be trying to do is get your point in. You'd be trying to get the point of your sword, and you sometimes might have to do what we call half swording. You'd have to grab the sword by the blade uh, with both hands and uh, try and work the point in to uh, say I saw it in uh, in uh, one of the other games like through their visor or under their neck piece or into their armpit or into their groin or anywhere where the where the armor is weak 
um, that would be a better strategy than cutting at someone. They weren't doing, there were a lot of large movements, uh, like really big cuts, which look good on screen. But in reality, if you, if you see someone coming at you with a massive, massive cut, you're very tempted to just thrust them um, and like attack into them at the same moment and just like stab them through the chest or whatever and, and, and arrest their movement in, in that way. Yes, when I've done martial arts, they say that, try not to do these big broadcasting, sweeping yeah. like a punch because you can see it coming a mile off. They, you, you don't want to see, you don't want them to know what's coming, really. Okay, so looking at all those bits we've discussed, what would you give a rating for, uh, for Honor? I liked it. I thought that... Um, it was it was a, a very again it's like very the 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 sat it looks very satisfying in terms of the actions of the weapons uh, on the opponent like some games you play and the sword kind of goes through the person than actually hitting them if you know what I mean so I again gave that one an eight out of ten yeah that's on my to play list it does look really fun meaty fighting <laughs> meaty thwacking yeah yeah that's what I want so Jem next game um small indie little thing wasn't very successful skyrim skyrim the action rpg for wizards dragons classic i'm a big fan of the elder scroll series basically i'm a big fan of all of these games we've got sword fighting dragons i'm there so yeah skyrim you've played this one as well haven't you matt i have yeah i've actually this is one of the few um fantasy based games i've actually played to death and have finished um well done me it doesn't happen very often it's um, a long game that's an achievement <laughs> it's, it's, it's a beef of a game but the, I guess the, the one thing that always struck me with Skyrim, um, specifically on the on the swordplay front, was that um, I, I was a bit of a brute. I always played it as a brute, so it was big shield, big sword. That was my that was my thing. The thing I'm really interested to know, and it's not even um, related to the swords, how much of an offensive weapon can a shield be? Because of course it's a defensive weapon, um, I guess for the most part. But surely that could be quite deceptive if you use that as an offensive weapon alongside a sword. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I teach sword and buckler. So as a buckler, I mentioned earlier, is like a small sort of dinner plate sized uh, shield that you hold in your hand rather than wear on your forearm kind of thing. And absolutely, there are, there are examples where you can use that to punch people, either with the rim, uh, or the, uh, or the boss where sort of where your knuckles are. So that that could be pretty devastating in and of itself, just to, to be knocked by one of those. Um, so absolutely, I mean, it's like a very beefed up set of brass knuckles, I guess, compared to yeah, um, used in conjunction with a sword is is very effective, which is why it was used in sort of civilian um, settings in civilian fighting in Europe in the renaissance era for such a long time and the medieval period as well um but yeah uh striking someone with a shield you i mean your, your shield is there to defend you primarily but you if you if you get close enough or things go really bad then yeah by all means use your shield that's good they do have bucklers in skyrim as well so it's one of the because oh, not do. all of the games oh. do but they're doing and they do in skyrim which is there. nice I guess as well, a shield can be quite an opener. Like if you find yourself in a scenario where, you know, you've you've both been wounded, you're exhausted and whatnot. But if there's an opportunity, as you say, to to just knock someone in the face with the with the face of a shield, that's yeah. going to knock them back and it's going to open them up for a potentially brutal, uh, a mortal wound, wouldn't it? Yeah, and they probably wouldn't expect it either. Blindside someone with, um, if someone does get too close, 
I, there's a lot of attacks uh, in the tradition that I teach, which are to the hands. And <laughs> you see, like, some of the characters in these games taking really massive wounds and just, you know, not even shrugging it off. If you've ever hit yourself in the thumb with a hammer, you know how delicate hands can be. Like, the moment you... A lot of attacks um, were to the hands because if someone can't use their hands, then they can't hold a sword. And often, like the moment you struck in the hands, you just suddenly let go of everything that you're holding, and that's it. But yeah, it's, it's um, true. I think even stubbing a toe can ruin you for the rest of the day. So yeah, <laughs> that alone really definitely ruins my day. Bad <laughs> but it's true. If you, if you take out someone's hand, or, like cut off a thumb or something, even just a thumb, like yeah. they're going to be far. Uh, more cap far less capable of of doing any real damage themselves potentially yeah i mean adrenaline uh is a thing and uh people can keep going even with devastating wounds and they can shrug off um painful you know injuries but often like the, i find that the things things to the hands even when you're really uh even when you're really fired up or whatever you, you you do notice them. So yeah. moving on to like um, I, I, another thing I found with Skyrim is that everything kind of felt kind of light. Um, nothing ever really felt weighty enough for me, and I, I think that's one <laughs> of the one of the, the smaller gripes I have with with that uh, with that game. Um, how yeah. did you find that the physics in, in which you know it, it feels when you're wielding one of these things, how how it moves? Yeah, I had a chat with my son. Um, because <laughs> he plays Skyrim and I said to him what's your weapon and he said oh it's this and he, he just showed me this big beefy hammer and I was like well, why do you use that and he said because it causes loads of damage and I said you don't use a sword he said nah this one does all the damage so and then even that like moves around I don't know what the sort of weight uh what things are weighed in in Skyrim it just gives you a number it doesn't tell you if it's kilos or pounds or whatever but it, this thing looked pretty beefy I think uh, this hammer was 26 units of weight and a dagger is one um but he was saying so yeah i was looking at it like they do regardless of the size of the weapon they do move pretty fast so that that you don't get really get a sense for anything having uh, a proportion in terms of you know how how it is to handle um everything moves the same speed it doesn't seem to weigh all that much for its size um but the look of the weapons, they didn't look too hefty for what they were. Um, but it was something he pointed out to me, he says, it doesn't matter what weapon you've got, everything can decapitate someone. Yeah. <laughs> they also have, actually, um, glass swords in Skyrim as well. So those are, like, the special, like, elven glass, but, yeah, I don't think glass ah. would make a very practical weapon. Well, I guess they're, like, sort of Vorpal swords, aren't they? They will just slice off whatever it is yeah you fight with them all the same style though <laughs> oh it's all the same. wave it around wave it around yeah i mean well it's like strength is important you know if you if you're really strong you can move the weapon more easily um but technique is important too which is why we learn um stuff you know how people used to fence in the past because the technique is like if all things being equal if everyone is equally buff and equally fast and, and strong um the person who's got the better technique is going to win it's i don't think it's that easy to to convey in gaming like superior technique or anything so what they try and do is they make up for it with uh with speed or strength so you'll have like a character who's very strong um wielding a big 
big weapon or a character who's very small being very fast. So like that's their kind of that's how they make up for it. Just um kind of semi linked to what you're saying then. I've got a bit of a chicken or egg sort of question. Um mm-hmm. do does the sword choose choose you or do you choose the sword? And what what by that I mean like, do you choose a sword and go, right, this is the one I'm going to build my entire technique around, my strength, my <laughs> my muscle structure, you know, my training? Or do you choose a sword that suits you? Because I'm not a particularly strong person. So mm. I'd, I'd imagine myself to be more of a two kind of short swords sort of guy, speed and, and, and quick pace <laughs> kind of combat. I would do that. So which way would it go normally? Well, what normally happens is someone goes, I want to learn sword fighting. Uh, they find the nearest club to them that teaches it and they have to learn whatever they teach. Um, so you don't really get to choose until maybe a bit later down the line. So most clubs in the UK and in other parts of the world, they start you off with long sword, um, so the two-handed sword, and then you would later be able to learn other things so people then learn like saber or uh, sword and buckler or rapier and rapier and dagger things like that but very often what i've found because i have been since look since since march 2020 i've been interviewing people um in my community and listening to their stories about what drew them in um people often start with um whatever they're given which is typically the long sword and they either stick with that or they will later find something else that then becomes their real true love kind of thing so a lot of people um they they start off safe with long sword and then they find saber for example and it's saber that uh, is the one that they want to focus on i think in the in the initial sort of stages of getting into this hobby it's whatever you're given but when you've been doing it for a few years then I think uh the one chooses the wizard and uh, you are drawn to the thing that is that really just uh grasps you and it's not necessarily about strength it's more about the feel of something because as I say like um a rapier for example people think of rapiers as being very light weapons um, but they're not. It's they're four foot long. Um, a rapier weighs the same as a longsword, and you hold it in one hand. It's, you hold it in a very extended guard, which, if you're not used to that posture, can feel really, really heavy if you're just not used to doing that, and it can it can feel very uncomfortable and weird. But um, once you get used to it, it can be it can be completely joyful, and uh, it can be like, wow, this is the weapon that I wanted to do it along because it, it, it acts differently it moves differently um it just requires a different kind of um technique a different kind of handling than it would to use a two-handed sword which weighs the same stand differently you'd hold it differently you'd move differently you'd attack differently so yeah i think that what sort of draws you into a weapon you, you have to try them all out um and then you, you find the one that you like best it's also important, I think, to remember that back in the day, um, in, 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 in sorry, in gaming and, and things like you have specialists, like this person uses this weapon, this person uses that. But back in the day, people would have learnt everything. Mm. You wouldn't have learnt sword fighting. You'd have learnt all the weapons, um, which is what my school we try and do. We try and teach our students how to use everything so that 
you become adept at as many things as you can. So no matter what weapon you pick up, you can be good at it. Okay, so considering all of these things, uh, what do you think you would rate Skyrim as out of 10? Skyrim, oh, I, I'm sorry, I gave it a 7 out of 10. I mean, I think I, that's I, quite fair. <laughs> but I'm, only, I'm only looking at it from this perspective of the fighting. I mean, as oh, a yeah. game, it looks awesome. But the fighting, like, for example, when you equip a weapon, you put it on your back. Uh, yeah, it just kind of floats out. there. Yeah, it appears <laughs> on your back. And to me, that is not equipped. That is how you would carry it from, from town to town. That's not ready to use. You'd have to have it, like, in your hand if you were to use it. Um, yeah, you, people, like, pull the... You can have the, like, massive, yeah, two-handed hammer or something and they just pull it off the back, like, extend. But, like, your arm would not be long enough to lift this, <laughs> no, like, no, exactly. five-foot pole. It'd be ridiculous. I, I've got real hang-ups on that, actually. I've recently finished um, the remake of Final Fantasy VII, which is a beautiful game. Amazing, amazing oh. game. Um, are you familiar with um, with Cloud Strive's Buster Sword, Fran? I am. <laughs> okay, good. Then this, this is great. Um, we, we'll, of course, go on to the next game now, but I'm desperate, desperate to know. That is, without a shadow of a doubt, the most impractical sword I've ever seen in a game or a film. And, of course, they don't shy away from that. It's constantly on your back. And when, when, when Cloud, you know, when he equips it and, and puts it back on his back, that always really bugs me how things just magically attach, no effort, it's just yeah. there. That really bugs me. So, sorry, my point is, and my question is, just how easy is it to sheath and unsheath the sword? It's, in, it's impossibly hard. Like, um, I, we don't, because we don't do reenactment, we, do, we just do the fighting aspect of it, you know, we don't sort of do all the, the contextual stuff around the fighting. But that said, I mean, I have got a sword of my own that is a shop that i've used for like cutting milk bottles and things like plastic milk bottles for fun um and just trying to sheath that after you've done something it's like you say you've cut something then you try and put it away first of all you don't want to stab yourself through the hand while you're trying to put it in the <laughs> this tiny little hole um and it's it's not easy and if it was on that's just having the thing in my hand that's not even having it on a sword belt if it was on my back, no way. There's no way I'd be able to sheathe it. I mean, yeah, you see people in films like uh, putting it back in the sheath without even looking where the sheath is. <laughs> yeah, you can say what you like about um, about lightsabers, but I guess that's one of the the, the big pros of a lightsaber is that it just oh, yeah. there's an Switch on button. them on and off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah and it just hangs there on your belt. Brilliant. So, uh, so the next game we're looking at, Nidhogg. Uh, this is a really cool game. It's a side-scrolling, two-player fighting game, uh, pixel graphics. But this one has um, a lot, like has fencing in it, and I've not seen many games with this style of fighting. The sort of going back and forth and the jabbing, looking like sort of classic idea of what people think fencing is. So, what did you think about this one? So we've got the like look of the weapons and the speed and the sort of way they move around. Yeah, I mean it's very basic. It's a sort of side-scrolling uh, 2D game, uh, two-player, but it's. Yeah, you can't see the weapon, so I can't really comment on that. However, it's nice to see uh, the way that the weapons are held and handled in the game. The, the posture of the of the fences is is something that you don't see very often. You don't see this kind of fencing stance of what we think of as sort of modern Olympic fencing. Um, is is a is a change from the sort of classic more romantic maybe two-handed sword uh fighting that is uh prolific in, in gaming um so i thought 
it was it was that was good i thought the way they reproduced that was very true to life um the way they stand and everything and the, the speed of the movements was appropriate for that type of activity as well um and I, 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 talking about the weight of the weapon, I think I, oh, well, I just mentioned this just now, but yeah, people do assume that these swords are light and they're not. Um, so you're using your whole body to move the sword because uh, you've got it in such, such a extended posture uh, rather than having it over your shoulder or something, holding it close to your body. You've got the sword away from you. Um, you have you have to use your whole body to in a sort of in in a what we call a lunge to get the sword to move forward and into your opponent um so i think they managed to convey that qu quite nicely um without it looking like something small and flimsy and uh not very threatening the strategy uh i thought in this game was brilliant i think because it, it was it's something that you don't see a lot in gaming you don't see uh this kind of looking for an opening and then attacking into it without being hit kind of thing. It's often just let's just bash each other and see what happens. Um, here it's it's a lot more decisive movements like, okay, I can strike underneath their weapon here. And if I move at the right time, I can strike them. And that's a lot, makes it a lot more like fencing, as you say, a lot more like sports fencing than um, just sort of hit and hope type of fighting. Yeah, it's very... Uh psychological back and forth and trying to like bait people out it's very and very yeah. fast when you get going with this game and both of you know what you're doing it's, it's really good fun yeah i think it's uh, out of all of them so far i think this was probably the most realistic in terms of the way like you say you're trying to draw someone out with your movements you're using strategy and it's it's that that, that psychological aspect of um of movement um in terms of trying to sort of get someone to guess what your intentions are that kind of thing i thought it was good yeah although uh people do fall down dead after one hit in this game so they explode it's exploding bags of blood when you strike yeah. them. every um, hit is like the best hit ever straight to the neck <laughs> yeah like the interaction with the opponent um yeah they do fall down dead and explode after just one thrust whereas like in real life someone can take quite a few blows before they succumb to blood loss or internal organ damage or whatever um but it's um i don't know that from experience that's just you know. um, <laughs> I, I was just thinking back to something you said um earlier in the episode actually um and how how so much it would ruin my day if, if someone stabbed me in the armpit with oh. a sword that just sounds like the worst thing ever i mean of course getting stabbed anywhere i can imagine to be pretty horrible yeah. Um, but in the armpit, just I don't know. There's something about those two things: getting stabbed in the armpit. Yeah, mm. armpit not good. I mean, that's straight. That's a highway to a punctured lung or to the to the heart, probably. That's a quick way out. Yeah, that that, that one sounds painful. <laughs> so for that one, I guess quite quite a decent score for Nidhogg, maybe. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, the exploding dead bodies, maybe not so much, but uh, eight out of ten for uh, the strategy and uh sort of the uh the fact that it's a different way of fighting compared to other games even though it's 2d it, it worked really really well yeah i was surprised at like how great the fighting felt when i played this considering the 2dness that, that's something that you find a lot in uh in in games that tend to have um a lot more of a stylistic approach to their graphical content and what so this this one's quite limited in in what it 
um, offers graphically, but then that forces or allows for a lot more creativity in other areas of the game. So would the game be as effective if it had top-notch high-end graphics? Dunno. There's a charm to that and it allows the rest of it to breathe for me. I think you're right. I think it might get a bit too busy if you put um, you know, fancy graphics in there. It's it is, you know, it all comes down to this the simple purity of who can hit the other person first kind of thing. So, Gem, bit of a behemoth, this one. Witcher three. Oh, such a good game. One of my potentially my favourite game ever. Uh, absolutely love The Witcher Three. Yeah, I think it's wonderful. I love that I'm really into the story of games and the storytelling in this one is fantastic. So uh, so don't worry, if the fighting is terrible, you will not offend me. <laughs> That's not what I play it for. But yeah, what, what do you think of The Witcher 3? So, oh yeah, so anybody who doesn't know this game, you should. So action RPG, narrative driven, but the, the armor and the weapons, they're like, they look amazing. Uh, really realistic, I think. And the fighting is really cool. Uh, lots of like swooshing, very like film style you know big movements and badass and very gory so yeah i thought the game looked great um the the aesthetics are really pleasing and like the the landscape and everything and, and the characters and, the, and their outfits and things so the actual weapons themselves they don't look too bad i mean girl has basically got a a long sword with some embellishment on it it isn't a ridiculous oversized fantasy sword or anything um the, the speed at which they move is good and it doesn't seem overly heavy and the sort of the way of playing it is the way of playing the fighting aspect of it was in terms of strategy is you're basically you're blocking their attack or you you avoid their attack you dodge their attack or you can counter um which is a is a nice thing to have so if someone goes to attack you you can counter into them so you can attack back um now what was nice about this is it's realistic because it's risky if you if, if someone attacks you you can and you don't like just avoid them or block them and do decide to attack back there's a there's a chance that you will get hit uh, and i think that's what they do quite nicely here that's what makes it realistic because that's that's what it's like in real life um the things that 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 they lose out on are he's constantly spinning he's constantly doing <laughs> roly polies everywhere it looks lovely i mean it looks fantastic and you do have to say like shut up friends oh no not at all but yeah it's um, ridiculous like same with, uh, ridiculous. with martial arts like you wouldn't roll around all the time because it's like now you're vulnerable now you're on the floor again like, yeah. not advisable they do, that, they do that nice sort of slow-mo recap of the last yeah. hit he did on the guy and i'm saying to the other guy he should have stabbed him in the ribs at that point so just yeah. standing there admiring his lovely white hair like <laughs> just, just kill him um so like so he's well, he's spinning through space uh, and then stabbing things his opponents are standing there being dazzled wouldn't he you know he, he he does a lot of extraneous things that he really doesn't have to do um and of course, there's the famous two swords on the back uh, yeah. thing. And for me, you know, that's that's the look. That's that's how you recognise what he is and who he is. That's just part of his uh, his image. It, it only kind of falls apart, like we were saying just now, is when you have someone with two swords crossed across their backs and think, yeah, they can they can draw those weapons with ease. 
no if you're like traveling if you're traveling for a day and you've got to walk or whatever then you'd put the swords on your back it makes sense if you're going to be in a situation where you think you might encounter someone who's going to attack you you'd have them by your side or you'd have them drawn but not on your back that's that's way too slow you just you wouldn't be able to get them out yeah if you imagine <laughs> rolling on with one of those on your back that would probably break your back it would hurt a lot <laughs> yeah it's just not practical um, yeah how did the um swordplay translate to the stream screen with um the netflix series have, have you managed to catch a glimpse I've, of that? We, I've, I've seen a couple of uh episodes i really liked it the fighting ugh, okay <laughs> it wasn't, it's not like real life okay but it's fun to watch it's it, it's things that they do but what's nice about Geralt is when he he stands when he's just he, both in the in the series and uh in the game he is actually standing in a fencing he's actually in a what we call a guard so he's standing in a way where he he would be able to defend himself quite effectively he then goes and does something weird but but um his his actual sort of posture is sound it's it's proper martially sound um ways of standing i i thought there were brilliant fight scenes as in they were entertaining to watch um and fun if you stab someone mid-sentence they'd never see it coming like if no. you're halfway through a <laughs> sentence and you were like i brought you here today to explain and then you stab no never yeah. see it coming because they're waiting in the Perhaps show there's some is- sort of code code of honor that you know when when the enemy is giving their their big rousing speech you, you just don't touch them perhaps it's this yeah. underwritten code or something <laughs> i'd be i'd be sneaky in the, in, <laughs> in the martial arts i was taught um it was about like winning and it was like it doesn't matter if it's a sneaky move well i, I did ninjutsu so we were taught like it's always for defense so if you're fighting someone it's because they started on you first but at that point it was like you just need to get away and get safe so you know if someone does something, element of surprise is legit. You know, throw something in their face and run for it. Like, that was fine. You don't have to be, like, honourable. Do you want to finish that fight? Yeah, they also, in the show of The Witcher, he holds his sword backwards quite a lot, which looks very yeah. cool, but apparently is ridiculous. So mean? when he's actually fighting, he's holding the sword the other way around. I guess it's reversed, yeah. It's kind yeah. of pointing downwards. In fact, there's one particular scene where quite maybe it's the second or third episode, I think, he takes out a, a good bunch of guys with this particular technique, I think. Apparently it's absurd and you wouldn't do that because you might cut yourself, I guess. Right. <laughs> You've got the blade pushed up against your arm. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. Oh, he's got it pulled right back towards himself. Mm. Yeah, no, not, not good. You ideally want the blade between you and the opponent, not sort of you and you because they're dangerous <laughs> you don't yeah you you, you want to sort of keep a good distance that's a good point actually and um I, I guess controlling the space between you and your opponent is just as important if not more important than actually mm-hmm. striking with a blow because if you control that space then I, I compare this a lot to i watch a lot of boxing and mma and the 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 way in which you control the actual octagon or the or the boxing mm-hmm. ring is as a huge tactic yeah yeah you you, you don't want to you want to keep a space around yourself. I've, I think I found with a lot of these games, um, the the player, the the characters do seem to be very much up in each other's grills a lot, uh, and then doing these massive sweeping movements, which don't make a lot of sense when you're that close to someone. If you're that close to someone, you wouldn't you wouldn't fence in that way. You do a lot more sort of close quarter type of stuff. You do a lot more stabby, um, grapply things. Um, but if someone is at a distance, then you would, you know, the big sweeping cuts make sense because someone is not going to rush in uh, only to get s- 
to get uh, struck by you know a large sweeping blow something about this game that i think about the uh, the witcher 3 i think is on that note is important is um being outnumbered is an actual danger um in some some games if, if you're you know this badass character and a bunch of uh low level creatures or attackers come at you you can just plow through them like wheat whereas in reality if you're facing more than one attacker your your risk uh, of being um being injured or killed goes right up um so being outnumbered in the witcher 3 is an actual real danger because like you can be outnumbered and outswarmed by people even if they're very weak uh, ca- um, opponents their sort of combined uh, power can bring you down which i think is quite a good thing to have um and it does make it sort of a bit more threatening than than these things can be yeah okay so taking all this stuff into account then uh you don't have to get a good score just because it's one of my favorite games but would, would you give sorry. the witcher <laughs> I, I gave it a seven i'm sorry i think that's pretty good still considering yeah. uh the, the absurdity he does roll a lot especially when i play i just roll around everyone on the <laughs> i spend more time on the floor than stood up so uh <laughs> that's a spoiler for me because i'm yet to play the witcher 3 so i'm i'm going to try and play this thing without doing one single roly poly <laughs> if you're good at parrying and stuff you can you can do these other styles but i was just all about that role that's how i play bloodborne <laughs> and that's how i play this one so uh, the last game we're looking at today is Mordhal. I think that's how I pronounce it. Another yes. multiplayer medieval fighting uh, PvP game. Uh, yeah, I think this one's really cool and the fighting looks really awesome in this one. But what did you think on this one, Fran? Well, I just want to say Mordhal is, uh, is actually the name of a strike, an attack in medieval German longsword. It means death strike. So the way you would do it is with a two-handed sword is, you would, uh, is where you... You would grasp the sword by the blade with two hands and you would strike your opponent with the pommel, so the handle of the sword. You'd hit them uh, to the head or to the sternum, sort of break their rib cage. Um, it's well, uh, a good start with this game, straight in there with the proper yeah, language. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's quite impressive that they, they chose that. Um, as you can probably understand, it's not the kind of technique that you can train easily (laughs) because it's not something you'd ever want to do on someone but yeah i like this game um so the weapons were were amazing um i'm one of the links uh one of the videos the the character's got a what's called a flambeige bladed zweihander so the blade is sort of wavy and it's and it looks super fancy, but it's actually based on a museum piece. It's a real this thing existed in reality. The speed of of the movements was good, uh, but something I noticed was like if someone goes to strike you and you parry, your sword gets sort of bashed out the way, uh, which shouldn't really happen if you're if you're preparing to receive a strike from someone else your sword should be sort of solid and not moved, um, but it happened every time. The weight of the weapon, I didn't really get a real good feel for this because I think because it's all in sort of first-person perspective, you couldn't really see. The strategy, again, I think for a, a game with armoured people, like basically all the people in it have got armour on, it features an awful lot of cuts, which just go through the armour. The, the gore effects are actually quite useful, I think, because they give you an idea of how wounded your opponent is. 
Um, even yeah. if like you cut someone um, and they just don't react, <laughs> they just got blood yeah. over them, and they're like, "Yeah, let's carry on," and they just they just keep going. Like even if it's your fencing master and you've chopped through his head, kind of thing. Yeah. So the cuts seem to go through the armor far too easily. Like I say, armor works or it doesn't, um, but it shouldn't be that paper thin. It should things should bounce off of armor and it should be hard to get round um but like the gore was nice because it yeah it 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 lets you know how injured they are but their reactions the reactions of the characters don't really fit with that they just carry on uh, maybe they're just really highly adrenalized i don't know or just super angry i don't know uh just a scratch just a flesh wound <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I, I liked it for the I liked it just for the look yeah I, I like the fact that they use proper historical weapons and um how they carried the weapons I didn't really see that didn't really get a, a good look at that but um it, it seems to be something yeah so, something I think that's, that's interesting about a lot of these games is fatigue doesn't seem to be a factor on anything I'm getting uh, watching um, For Honor, I think it was, and just getting exhausted watching this dude run around constantly fighting people without a break. And with all the armor on, it's very heavy. I've worn some chainmail before and I was shook at how much it weighed. Yeah, or just having a helmet on your head. Like, you know, know, we're all wearing masks now because of Corona. Imagine like wearing one of them and trying to go for a run or trying to fight someone and breathing, huffing really heavily with all this stuff over your head. You'd get pretty gassed. Keep going, they've been drinking their Lucozade. That's something that's always struck me. And, and there's one game that um, um, I really, really enjoyed in, in recent years, which was uh, Hellblade, Sinner's Sacrifice. Um, are you familiar with that one, Fran? No, sorry. That's I've okay. heard of it, but I haven't it's, played it. It's an incredibly important game in recent years. I mean, talking specifically about the swordplay, though, it's you get that sense of exhaustion. That There's no, from memory, I don't believe there to be a stamina bar, a stamina bar or anything like that. But as the fights wear on, um, you really feel the sense of that sword getting heavier because your character is getting tired, mentally mm. tired, physically tired. So there isn't... Um, it, much much of that can be uh, praised to the animation and whatnot because of course you can your your posture changes as the sword gets lower to the ground and you're still oh, taking these wild swipes. But even just having that included, mm. as I'm playing, I'm thinking, oh man, this is this is really intense, really epic, and it's taking more of me to get that sword over my shoulder and swing it towards the bad guy. Yeah, the exhaustion in, in games, I think, is something that I really really kind of draw to because it just it just adds or injects a a sense of realism to it for me yeah the exhaustion and the risk of death as well because what draws people into sort of medieval or medieval like fighting settings is like just the opportunity to bash people with swords um but then they don't kind of consider the fact that everyone else is trying to do the same to them um and there was i think in one of the videos a guy goes oh my god i've only got hit twice and i nearly died and it's like well you think about yeah. it <laughs> That's quite realistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the exhaustion of fighting is something that isn't replicated in gaming. Maybe people just don't want that. Maybe they don't want to just keep going. Um, maybe it's not that appealing. I don't know. But it's it's, if, it's always like the you see the opponents getting tired uh, often, but the, the, the actual players, no. Uh, so in terms of the rating then for Mordhau, how are we rating Howl. this one? I'm hope, part of me is hoping it gets less than a 7 out of... 
10 because we've been pretty generous. I, I did see some other games and I thought that my friends were like, oh yeah, play this one. And I thought, no, I don't, I don't like that. It's silly. Um, but the ones that you've chosen for me to look at have all been really cool. Um, so, oh, I don't know. I think what what stands up out for me with Mordhau is the fact that they are aesthetically on point. Um, and just the name Mordhau I thought was cool because it is an actual uh, fighting term. Um, but then again, it's where it falls down is the fact that armour is, is basically useless um, and cutting and, and, and people don't respond to being wounded other than when they finally just fall down. Um, so I don't know. I think I'll have to give it a similar to the last one. I think I'll give it a seven. Strong seven. Yeah. Because I did think, you know, I did like it, but it's just, yeah, you know. Yeah, I did try and go for games that, like, were trying to trying to emulate different parts of, of real sword fighting yeah. well, which I think is quite good. So if we're looking yeah. at that, I would say, I was going to say, like, which is the best game, but I think if we look back at what we've talked about and, and scored, it depends what you're looking for, I suppose. Like, if yes. you want to get historical accuracy, maybe Mordhau and you can look at the actual weapons, but if you want to really capture the, like, psychological elements of sword fighting, maybe you'd go for Nidhogg. And if you want uh, dragons, then you go to Skyrim. <laughs> dragons, go to Skyrim, or cheese. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they're all really good, but, like, in different ways. And then Mountain Blade has got... Uh, history in another way where you can have sieges and you can also learn about the different hierarchies the lords and sort of vassals yeah, there, was, stuff uh, like that. there was a there was a part where a guy was doing uh just a battle and he said oh my god i've been waiting my whole life for us for a game like this you know this is the kind of game that that we want i think just that being in the middle of a battlefield kind of thing and then he's like oh oh well, i've died yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. many people are on the battlefield very long. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very, very accurate. So, yeah, you die very easily, but it looks amazing and it feels amazing. <laughs> so, to conclude then, in your honest opinion, Fran, mm. what is the game that gets it right? Which I... one would you say is the is the one that absolutely nails it for you? Oh, gosh. Well, let's start from what doesn't. Uh... Mm. Not The Witcher. Sorry. Nidhogg is like a one on one, isn't it? So it's not I don't know. If you're if you're looking for what replicates fighting to the death or what replicates the sort of psychological uh, aspects of fencing, I don't know, it varies. But the one I think that looks the most enjoyable out of all of them is um Oh god, it's gonna be one of the first two, I think. I think I'm going to go for Mountain Blade. Yeah. yeah. One of my favourites. <laughs> I do love Mountain Blade. It's a damn good game. And you can Does make it... your own uh, like symbol to, put, to go on your flag and all your shields. And I had like this horse with really long legs, all in pink and purple. <laughs> <laughs> I was riding into battle with my weirdly long-legged horse. I was like, oh, the symbol of me. So, yeah, oh. that's a good one. So he heard it here first. Our sword experts recommended Mountain Blade. And I also recommend it. Top game. Very All good, of a but... sudden, steam cells are just going to shoot through the <laughs> room. They're going to have a huge spike, of which we should absolutely take a percentage. <laughs> well deserved. <laughs> it, it looks fun. I've, I've wanted to play one. I think I'd want to play that one. So, yeah, I'd go for that one. Brilliant. 
Well, thanks so much for joining us, Fran. It's been awesome to have the inside of a real sword fighting pro. <laughs> so cool. Thank you for asking. Yeah, it's been an absolute joy. There you go. Swords, video games, done. No, it was awesome. And as a as a his, history student, I did history at uni. I loved learning about like yeah, medieval, like the way people actually lived. And so for me, seeing that pulled into games, whether it's through just the lifestyles or through when people are fighting and stuff and the different armors and, and weapons. Um, mm. Yeah, I just love it. So it's awesome to talk to someone who knows all about that stuff and can give more background on it. This presents me with an interesting problem, though, Jem. Mm-hmm. Um, everything's a problem. <laughs> so, you know, I, I bought I bought The Witcher Three, um, and I know that you know to, to get the best out of it, I need to invest probably about I don't know, like a billion hours or something, mm-hmm. which I can't do. But now, where it's been mentioned in the episode today, um, I'm going to have to go back to it at some point because I, I used to love that kind of setting. I just kind of sort of grew aside from it at some point. But that setting is amazing. It's so well crafted. Um, and now that we've been talking about it at such depth, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to go and give Geralt a hug, I think. And yeah, give another go. it's absolutely my favorite setting. Any game that's in sort of like medieval Europe around then, magic or no magic, I'm there. I love it. Mountain Blade, obviously, another one I mentioned in the, in the game. Mm. And uh, I'll talk about this more later, but currently playing Valhalla, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, obviously loving that mm. as well. So yeah, I'm here for it. I'm here for that European old timesy armory good times. <laughs> the one thing just on Valhalla as well the one thing I'm quite interested to uh to indulge in of course I think a sizable chunk of it is set in in the UK right mm-hmm. yeah right I I really want to recognize somewhere from like the southwest I really want to recognize some field or something whether it's in Gloucester or I don't know uh lo, lo and behold bristol somewhere i don't know i just want uh, to see sorry something to disappoint, like, but it, it doesn't Gosh. uh go that far over it's the east southeast uh, and uh, I, I would try to go to bristol uh, but not able to well the day that bristol pops up in the southern's greek <laughs> <laughs> southern's greed game A good day i think that's all. when we retire and say right i've seen everything <laughs> <laughs> well there you go uh another episode in the bank i hope you've been enjoying all the stuff that um, uh, we've been putting together for you. Um, Jem, hit us. What should everyone be doing at the end of end of an episode? As we mentioned at the beginning, don't forget, buy Master Horizon. It's out there now. And if you get the chance, please leave a review or a rating or whatever platform you play. It helps us loads, and we really appreciate it. As a small studio, you'll be helping us to make more awesome games. Also, go follow us on social. You can see screenshots. You can hear about all the cool stuff we're doing, get updates on our other games. And make sure to join our Discord as well. We're always in there chatting. We've got a lovely community. Um, yeah, we just want to talk about games and nerdy things and have a good time. And if you also get a chance, please rate the podcast. That's another way you can support us. Um, yeah, just any way that you feel free or have the time to do. We appreciate it. We do appreciate it. Crowbar? Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure. <threatening>. Every time. <laughs> Bye.